Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. All right, well, I am honored to preach here one last time. It's pretty, pretty exciting. Um, I'm pretty pumped about it. We're going to be reading in John chapter 6. Um, we're covering something that happened, Jesus feeding um, the multitude that's recorded in all four Gospels. So you've probably heard of this before if you've loved Jesus for a minute, okay? If anyone heard this story, feeding the 5,000, yes. Three of you, cool. Well, the rest of you is going to be brand new, and you're going to love it, all right? So um, the title of our sermon today is I Am the Bread. We're focusing on Jesus, how he is the bread of life. So turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 4. It'll be on the Sky Bible if you need it. If not, pull out your phones or Bibles. And when you're there, say amen. All right. Five people's majority. We're starting. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread? so that these people may eat. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. You know, this text, we could pull a lot from it. There's so much in this to talk about. But I just want to talk about a few things this morning that God gave me discernment on what to say. And the first one is that we all have these faith tests that we go through. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been tested by God in an area of your life where He's challenged you to trust Him a little deeper or trust Him a little more? No, Diana's like, never, ever. Of course you have. Of course you have. God tests us. He's done it since the Old Testament. If you remember, it was at Exodus 16. He, t- he tests them with manna, right? So the Israel's grumbling, and they're like, we want food. Well, everything was better in Egypt. And, and so God blesses them with manna every morning, right? And He says, just get enough for the day. And then before Sabbath, get enough for two days so you don't have to work on the Sabbath. I will take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And he tested them. Well, some of them was like, okay, but God, I see that. I want to help you out a little bit. So I'm just going to gather a little bit more in my jars. And what happened to those jars? you remember the story? It was about two years ago. Maybe you don't. But the jars were filled with maggots. Like the, the manna was ruined. And so God tested them to see if they would trust him to provide, even when they didn't see how. They didn't get it all up front, and it wasn't like, here's seven months of food, you're good. It was one day at a time. He tested them again when they went into the promised land with with all the pagan nations. He left them there to test them to see if their heart was going to stay towards God, to see if they were going to continue to trust God, even when they had all these other gods around them. Would they still trust in the God that delivered them, that was with them, even during the wilderness? And you may think, well, you know, yeah, God did that in the Old Testament. And he tested, surely not anymore. Not as Christians, God doesn't test us. Let me give you a scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, 
It says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who, what's that word? Tests our hearts. God still does that to his people. He still challenges us and asks us to trust him in situations that we don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. And you may think, you know, maybe is God up in heaven like, oh, are they going to follow me? I don't know if this happens. Oh, are my people? No, he's not worried. He knows where you stand. God knows where your heart is. These tests help you out. They reveal your heart towards God. They reveal, how much do I trust God? I trust Him when everything's going right, but then when everything is terrible and I'm crushing under pressure, do I trust God then? When I don't have a job, when I don't have a paycheck, when I don't know how things are going to turn out in my future, am I trusting God? Do I still go to church? Do I still praise Him? Or do you give up? Because that reveals to you, God's like, you said you were sold out? You're really not. I'm trying to reveal this to you so you can come a little closer, so you can trust me a little more. And so I wonder for us this morning, what is God testing you with right now? What is it that he's asking you to trust him in? What did you just come out of that he asked you to trust him in? Did you get victory? I wonder if you're seeking him or you're trying to figure it out on yourself. You know, when he asked that to um, Philip, all Jesus asks is, where are we to buy bread? He just wonder, where, where can we buy bread, Philip? But Philip's like, Lord, we don't have the money. Forget your question. Forget what you're really asking. Let's get to this. We have no money. 200 denarii denari is like a day's wages. So he's saying just 200 days of work, getting invested, getting that money back will not be enough to give everyone a little bit. There's no way. There's no way, God. And I wonder those moments where God challenges and asks us to trust him or something, we immediately come up with all these scenarios. There's no way, Jesus. This can't happen. This is too big. What about this? What about the who? What about the how? What about the what? The when? The where? I don't understand. And at the same time, Jesus is like, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I asked you one question. You were jumping off the defense, son. Just trust me. And so we have to, we have to not get in the sense of where we let our fears and anxiety control our actions and control our faith. To where we can only trust God for a little bit, but the big issues, we think we have to do it ourselves. We have to be vigilant, yes, but in the things that are impossible, we have to trust God to do it. The things that you don't see a way out, you can't do it. You can't do it, but He can if you trust Him, if you believe in Him. He is always there for you. So we have to give our issues, our fears, our what-if scenarios to Jesus. What a, what a response Philip could have said, like, where are we to buy bread? He could have been like, I mean, there's a bakery down there, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, but, you know, you asked. That's, that's, I'll give you the answer. Be simple. Be real with Jesus. Let him know. If you have fears, let him know your fears. But we have to, at the end of the day, trust him with what we're going through. And I don't want, as, as you know, he's answered. Andrew tells him, like, well, we had this little boy. He's got, he brought his lunch. But this is all we got. What is that enough? And then we're going to see what God did with that. If you know the story, he just multiplied it. And everyone had their fill. From this little bit, God blessed everybody. And it's important for us to remember that, that we can't let our lack of resources or our lack of skills or talents blind us to how God can use it if we give it to him. Lord, I don't have much, but this is what I do have. You can use it. 
You can take it. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know anything about the Bible, really. I, did, I was barely going to church. Guys, I was reading the Bible and smoking weed at the same time, thinking it's okay, right? Like, I was really radically saved, and then it took me a while to get discipled, okay? But even that, I told God, God, I don't know. I have nothing to offer you. But I was like, you know what? I can give high fives. And I joined the greeting team at my church, and I high-fived everyone that came in through the door. I was so pumped. I was like, I got this. Boom. Welcome. Welcome to church. Those little things that you have that you think don't matter really do. And God blesses you with more and gives you more resources. He blesses you with more skills if you allow him to use it. Amen? Amen. Y'all with me? Y'all here? Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 11 now. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Amen. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. I probably would have said the same exact thing. What? Like, imagine if you saw that today, right? Be like, that's Jesus. That's all Jesus. There's no way. With that little bit, everyone had as much as they wanted to eat. They all had their fill and then had leftovers. Come on now. It's the interesting thing about God how amazing he is. He always gives provision, and with that always comes preparation. There's always provision, but there's always preparation at the same time. God provides for us. If you don't know that, continue to serve him. You'll see. He always provides your needs, and a lot of times he gives you what you want, too. Like, our God's not stingy, Okay? He blesses his people. He loves his people. Do you, have you experienced God's love in this area? Have you been blessed? You may think, well, some things that I really want, well, then you didn't need it then. If God didn't give it to you, you didn't need it in that moment. He was teaching you something. Maybe if he would have blessed you with that, that would have become your idol. Maybe if you would have got that brand new car, that would have become the thing you worshiped instead of him. God's not going to give you stuff that's going to take his place, right? He is going to bless you. But I want to talk about this for a second. What Jesus did amazed me, okay? Because here in a moment, all these people that got fed and got blessed and like, you're the prophet. Guess what? You keep reading, they end up walking away from Jesus. He has some hard teachings, some hard lessons. And they're like, I'm out, Jesus. You're the prophet, not the prophet for me anymore. But yet... Jesus knew what they were going to do, and in this moment, he still fed them. He still provided for their needs right then and there when they needed it. He knows that they were going to disown him, and yet he still saw fit to bless his people. It's not your job to decide who you should serve and who you should love. If Jesus did it for people that were against him and walked away from him, what's your excuse? What's your reason? Should you have one? Is there a biblical reason? You can say no. It's okay. We can talk. We can have a conversation. I wanted to look at, you know, what was really powerful in what I saw and something that, uh, I don't know, it just stood out to me. You know, what God used to bless and feed these thousands of people and what he used to prove again his love and his provision and his sovereignty came from the preparedness and obedience of one little boy. Did you see that? 
None of that was possible if the boy didn't offer up his meal in the first place. For this little boy, he was, you know, he's going somewhere, he's going to listen, he's like, I'm probably going to be hungry. I'm going to pack lunch. Nobody thought to do the same. Nobody, right? He's the only smart cat that's like, I'm going to prepare for this just in case. Jesus may be a little long-winded. Maybe he was there for the Sermon on the Mount. You don't know. He's like, I've heard him speak before, okay? You never know. But anyways, this boy, through his preparation, he decided he would be ready for the unexpected. He would be ready. And through his preparation, he had the opportunity to sacrificially give and watch what Jesus would do with it because he was ready and he was prepared. We have to prepare for the battles we don't yet see. It's not about fighting fire when it's there. It's about having water before the fire comes. What do you mean by that? Let's turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We've got a lot of scripture today. I don't apologize. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now more than ever, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Amen? I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. There are people seeking for truth, and cliche answers just don't do. You need to know the word. You need to know Jesus. You need to have communion with him. You need to be prepared because if someone asks you, why are you a Christian? And you can't clearly and simply put why you're a Christian, then are you a Christian? And I would say maybe you are, but yet you've never experienced this. And guys, talking to people about Jesus when they're unbelievers, it gets awkward. Amen. Have you ever done it? If not, go out and do it today. Preach the gospel. Okay, go out and tell someone about Jesus and it can get weird, right? It can feel uncomfortable. Why? Because it's spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. And if you don't have that communion with Jesus, if you aren't spending time on your knees in prayer, you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not reading your word, then how are you prepared for those battles when your armor is dusty and you haven't put it on in so long? You have to know the word. You have to spend time with Jesus. Otherwise, it won't be as effective as it could be. And, you know, we look at these things that just sound so mundane and so ridiculous sometimes, like waking up reading your Bible. Who wakes up wanting to read their Bible every day? Anybody? Okay, two of you. I raised my hand just for the sake of seeing who would raise it. I don't even feel that way all the time. I, I love Jesus, but I don't wake up like, yes, give me Leviticus. <laughs> Let's tackle that today. You know what I mean? It's not natural, but it's through that things that seem monotonous, that give you the power, that Holy Spirit fills you up. You spend time with Jesus, so when that presents itself, you're ready. You're not scrambling, what verse, what verse? Oh, it's like, I know it. I just read this. Wow. It's like a divine appointment that God put me here for a reason. You may think even at your job, the mundane things you do, and you're just punching the clock, and you're just doing this, and you, maybe a lot of you, it's something that I've even struggled with recently that I think is an attack from the devil for all of us when this happens of what we're doing for Jesus or what we're doing, how we're serving. Do I even make a difference? You ever been there? You're, you're pouring your soul into something that's like, does it even matter? I don't see any fruit from this. I don't know. Do I? Do I make a difference? But look at what happened with this boy. He probably didn't wake up thinking Jesus is going to use me today. 
He's going to use this lunch that it's just, you know, it's boring food. It's some barley loaves and fish. But yet that is what Jesus used. His preparation is what Jesus used to advance his kingdom, to bless people, to teach his disciples a lesson. To be recorded in all four gospels came because he was prepared for it. You know, there's a story that uh, um, we got to meet a few missionaries going through training. And these missionaries, are, they're an older couple, and they were in Afghanistan for a very long time. And, you know, in Afghanistan, the culture, the, the women, the woman has to submit, right? And so in this area, she had to stay covered and walk behind her husband if she was outside, right? Can't talk, can't speak in public. And so he's the one, and he's trying to build relationships to share the gospel, and it's little by little, you know? And then for two years, she is following her husband, not really being able to talk. She feels like she's under house arrest. Two years of this, right? And then so when he's out and about doing stuff, she's at home staying inside. And she's reading and she's praying, God, why am I even here? What's the point? I don't understand. And guess what? The men started asking this missionary guy, like, what do you, what do, you do to your wife that she submits so well? How do, you, do you beat her? And they're like, he's, no, I love her. She's precious to me. I love, I would never beat her. She just loves me. And they said, hey, can we send our wives to her and she can teach them how to be like her? He said, absolutely. She became more effective than his ministry. The women came to her and she got to share the gospel and teach them about Jesus. And so many of these women got saved because of the mundane ridiculousness, the warfare she was going through, of just feeling like she didn't matter that was preparation for then. What you feel like is a dry sentence is probably not as dry as you think. It is preparation, amen? Let's continue. Verse 26, same chapter. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What a noble question, right? What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Jump to 32 with me. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's so much power in that statement where Jesus reveals, I'm everything you need. I'm everything you're ever going to desire. Once you have me, you will be filled all the time. Continue to trust me. Continue to believe in me. And for us as Christians, we have to look at ourselves and, and, and try to challenge ourselves. These people are, are going to Jesus and, and trying to seek after him because of the miracle, right? And so Jesus is saying, it shouldn't be the miracle, it should be me. It should be because you want me. And I wonder for us, are we following Christ for the right reasons? It's a personal question that really only you can answer. Only God and you know your heart. And God knows it more than you do. You know, maybe a lot of us, we've come to Jesus in the beginning, initially, for a better this 
or I need help in this area. I need a miracle here. I need blessings here. I'm lost here, whatever else it is. But by no means should that sustain your walk with God. We have to realize without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. There's no amount of blessings. There's no amount of whatever that could, that could pay for your sins, that could give you eternal life. It's Jesus that does that. It's following him, not the stuff he gives. And so we have to look at, at, at believing in Jesus. What does this really mean? Put it simply, I wrote it down so I didn't sound too weird, okay? It says, to believe is to eternalize the truths about Jesus and put all your hope and trust in him. If you actually believe who he is, that becomes real in your core of your being, that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Is he your Lord? You may say that, but is he Lord of your life, of your actions, of your thoughts, of how you treat people, of what comes out of your mouth? Is he Lord over all of those things, of your situation? Are we like these people where we need Jesus to sustain us with another miracle? Or I need another blessing? Or I, I mean, that was good then, but you know, it's been five years. I need this now, and I need a new job, and I've got to deal with this, and now I've got kids. I've got to deal with this. Is that what your walk with God is? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me, Lord. Give me, Lord. Give me, Lord. If you stop giving it to me, I won't follow you. You're giving Jesus an ultimatum? Who do you think you are? Are you crazy? Do you not know who Jesus is? Obviously not. But so many Christians act this way. I need, I need, I need. Otherwise, Jesus, are you even there? Why have you forsaken me, Lord? Come on now. We have to recognize the right reason we follow Jesus is at its core, really. And you look at the disciples of how they followed Jesus. They made mistakes or whatever. But you read through Acts, the people that called themselves disciples and apostles, they followed Jesus. When they woke up, he was the reason they existed to serve him. He was the reason they were breathing. He was the reason they were in the country they were in. He was the reason they had the jobs they had. He was the reason for everything they did. Is Jesus the reason you are here? Is Jesus the reason that you're in this country with the job you have? Is Jesus the reason you're at where you're at? Because that's the goal. Jesus should be the center focal point for everything we do. We should talk to Jesus about everything. We, would, we should trust him with everything. If not, you're realizing, okay, I'm not as on fire for you as I want to be. The, the church nowadays cannot incorporate Christ into what we think he should be. We should be dying to ourselves and becoming his servants. That's Christianity. It's not what you can do for me, it's Jesus. I'm here to serve you. I'm yours. And I wonder if Jesus never gave you another blessing, if he never answered another one of your prayers, would the fact that he died on the cross for you, that he took on the wrath of God, punishment for your sins, for you, that you don't have to go to hell, you get eternal life and get to spend eternity with God the Father forever, would that be good enough for you to continue trust Jesus? Or do you need something extra? Because at the end of the day, if that's not enough, then your faith is very weak. Your faith can be very weak. It shouldn't be, I need the other things. I'm not saying God's not going to bless you. He will. But at the core of it, you have to realize God is not here just to give you stuff. You shouldn't just be going after the gifts for the sake of the gifts. You should be going after the giver. You should be trusting Jesus and going after him with all that you have. And so the reason we're sitting here and even come to church, it shouldn't be just to check a box 
okay? Or, or just it's the feel-good thing to do or even ammo for your political party, right? Oh, if I use this scripture, that'll get the left. Come on now. That should not be the reason you're reading your Bible. If it is, it's like un, that's a bad lens. That's a bad perspective. And so our pursuit of Jesus, when done correctly, births a church that Jesus talked about. In Matthew 16, he's with his core disciples, and he's like, who do you say I am? Peter's like, you're the Christ. You are, you are the Messiah, Jesus. You are the one we've been waiting for. And he said, upon this declaration, I will build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They will not be able to prevail. That's the church Jesus is talking about. When we pursue Jesus for the right reasons, where he is the core of everything we do, we worship him, we trust him, he is everything to us, he is the Messiah, then guess what? The enemy doesn't have a lot of power. He can't stop our advancement for the kingdom. You can't, you can't stop me from witnessing to somebody. You can't stop me from praying to someone and there's a miracle right there because it's not my power. This is Jesus. I'm just a vessel. It's all about him. Is Jesus like that in your life? Because what Jesus said is, to these people, all God desires is that you believe. And that belief, if you actually believe that, it bursts this love for Jesus. Like, you did that for me? I know me. I know what I do. I know what I think. I know the things I've done. And you love me that much? You died for me? Nobody would do that for me. Wow, Jesus, you love me. And you love everyone like that if they would just come to you? And Jesus said this to his disciples, if you love me, obey my commands. So this internalizing of belief to loving Jesus bursts into this, I obey you, Jesus. I obey what you say. I do what you do because I trust you, I love you, you are everything to me. And through that, Jesus gives us a, the commandment, the great commission to go preach the gospel to all nations, with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus has called his church to do. The church that declares that he is Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that's the church's job. It may look different in a lot of churches, but it's to preach the gospel, to share Jesus, tell them who he is, so that they can choose to believe in him if they want to. Jesus is the bread of life. And I hope you understand that. I hope that just like you need to eat almost every day, some of you fast or whatever else, but without Jesus, we're dead. You could have been on fire for God five years ago. You could be cold right now. Even lukewarm is not good enough. Revelation tells us, Jesus says, I'd rather spit you out. Be hot or cold, all in or not. I can't, this is not, that's not the church that's going to fulfill this mission as a lukewarm church. And I hope that's not the church you want to be. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.